Gardeners. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco on 97.3 Cairo FM. I am not Cisco, as you can tell. Cisco is uh, off, uh, out of town this weekend and uh, asked me to fill in for him, and I'm delighted to be here. I come just seldom enough to have to be reminded how everything works in the studio. So thanks to Brian for helping me out today. Um, again, I'm delighted to be here. We are creeping slowly toward the shortest day of the year. And I know most gardeners think that means after that, we can start thinking about the days getting longer. Uh, but there are there's lots to do right now. And uh, perhaps not in the garden, you, you could, you know, do some amount. But There was a lot of rain last night. You don't want to stomp around on soggy ground. So uh, some of the things we can do as we anticipate a new year in the garden is think about resources and think about what the garden should be and what we want it to be. Think about visiting gardens that might inspire us. Um, We can certainly do some uh, garden-related decoration for the holidays. And so first thing I want to remind you is that today at the Washington Park Arboretum, the Arboretum Foundation is holding its Gifts and Greens galore. The um, green sale is more. It's beyond just a few wreaths. Um, Members donate cuttings of evergreen plants, broadleaf evergreen and conifers, from their gardens. They bring it in. You can buy pieces, put together your own display. You can buy swags and um, uh, wreaths already made up. So I highly suggest you have until 3 o'clock. Okay, it's only today. They're open now. They started at 10 until 3 at the Graham Visitor Center at the Arboretum. So uh, you can listen on the radio as you drive over there to get some decoration for the holidays. Uh, and while you're at it, now, the the Winter Garden at the Arboretum is, of course, a fabulous place to visit. It's There are lots of things of interest right now, and that will carry on all the way through winter. So I thought I would bring up some of my favorite winter interest plants as we go through this hour on Gardening with Cisco. And uh, you can see probably every single one of them there at the Winter Garden at the Arboretum. Uh, so we will, I'll, I'll highlight a few of those. So we'll talk about some resources, talk about plants, talk about what you're planning to do next year. I do hope you will, if you have any garden questions, if you have any questions about touring gardens, and I'll mention uh, my Cotswolds tour that is next July, If you or you just want suggestions on your own. Maybe you're going off to England on your own and you're not going to the Cotswolds at all and you would just like to know what to see wherever you are. Please ask, call in and ask. The number to call today is 888-973-CAIRO. That's 888-973-5476. So please do call. I hope you're sitting down with a If you're not driving to the Arboretum to get your green sale, I hope you're sitting down with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, and uh, taking a look uh, online or maybe picking up your favorite book. As we are nearing the holidays, I will say, uh, I've had lots of readers of my Potting Shed Mysteries. This is a combination of garden and mystery here. Uh, because the last Potting Shed book came out in November of 
2018, last year, a year ago, just over a year ago, Midsummer Mayhem, wherein Prue helps with the outdoor set of a production of um, Midsummer Night's Dream, in, inspired by true events, except for the murder. Uh, so people have been saying, what are Prue and Christopher up to? Because as you know, I have a, or as many of you know, I have a new series starting, which uh, is also set in England. More about that later. Well, Prue and Christopher are back for a garden short story. There is a potting shed short story up now on uh, Kindle, Kobo, Nook, iBook, whatever it is you read ebooks on. And you can find that online. It's called Christmas at Green Oak. Because Green Oak is the name of the house they live in in Hampshire now. You know, it's the Wilson's house. <laughs> I, I know I, I talk to you as if these characters are real. And they are real to me. So if you are interested in a quick read while you have that cup of coffee or cup of tea and listen in with one ear, you can find that online. Christmas at Green Oak, Prue Park, American Gardener in England. So, um, the, and, and this is no, no one dies in the short story. I can tell you that right now. What does happen is an even scarier event as far as Prue is concerned. She is faced with cooking the entire Christmas dinner on her own. So there you are. Uh, again, welcome to Gardening with Cisco. This is Marty Wingett. I am filling in for Cisco today. If you would like any information about me or my books, you can find it at my website, martywingett.com. That's M-A-R-T-Y-W-I-N-G-A. T-E.com. And also Cisco has a link to my website on, on his site. Uh, you can find out about books and tours. So uh, the first thing I want to mention, I'm keeping an eye on the time here before our next break, is that uh, winter is a great time to plan. If you're planning to do things in your garden and you're not actually out there digging yet, I thought I would recommend a few places for you to go and look online or in books. Um, I don't have room for apple trees where we live now, so I am always on the hunt for great fruit trees, uh, for great fruit at the farmer's markets in, in the fall. And I was scouring the Lake Forest Park market this year and came up with some Macintosh and Johnamac, some really great tasty taste. You want an apple that tastes like an apple, you know? If you have a favorite apple, please call and let me know, 888-973-5476. If you have an apple that you really don't like, please call and let me know, because I would like to know if it's the same kind of apples that I don't like. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, if you are looking to plant more fruit in the garden, I suggest you go to the website for the Western Cascade Fruit Society. You can Google it. You'll find it. There are lots of chapters. There's a chapter on Bainbridge, and there's a Seattle uh, Tree Fruit Society Tons of information here and their activities as well and their meetings uh, about what to grow, how to grow it, um, where to grow it, and uh, how long you have to wait before you can harvest. That's always the hard part when you plant a fruit tree. So take a look at the Western, Western Cascade Fruit Society online and uh, see what uh, information they might have for you. And their resources are, the resource page is amazing. They'll tell you all the Master Gardener hotlines to call where you can find tons and tons of information. The other quick thing I will say right now, and we'll talk more about native plants when we talk about plants for winter, is um, 
King County Conservation District right now has open its uh, order form for buying native plants. You buy these little sticks uh, of amelanchia on the folia, and they look like nothing, and you plant them, and you have tons of, and they're really cheap, and it's a great way to support the conservation district. Uh, take a look, Google that online, and you can find your own county's conservation district, and you, um, if you're not in King County, you can see if they have, uh, the, almost everybody has a native plant sale in early spring, usually Marchish, but uh, for King County at least, and maybe some of the other conservation districts too, you can order online and just pick up these bundle of sticks and uh, pass them out to all your friends. All right, this is Marty Wingett filling in for Cisco today, and we will be back right after this break. Hello, gardeners, and welcome to Gardening with Cisco on 97.3 Cairo FM. I am Marty Wingett, and I am filling in for Cisco today, and I'm happy to be here. Uh, I want to, we're going to go to a call in just a second. I want to say, please do, all of you, call in. I, I, I'm I'm looking for favorite apples or the your least favorite apple. Uh, 800, or sorry, 888, there we are, 973-5476. And uh, let me just say right here, I just up on the screen on the computer, I was looking at the gardens in uh, Stratford-on-Avon, and that reminds me to say that my Cotswolds tour is next July 20th to the 30th. We will spend three nights in Oxford, three nights at a country hotel, and three nights in Bath. And I would love to have you join us. We take small groups, but there's still a few places left. And we will, it's a combination. We have a walking tour of Oxford. So those of you who are interested in um History and also, if you happen to watch Endeavor or are a Morse fan from uh, British detective shows, then uh, that's a that's a great and a Tolkien fan as well. That's a great thing. We'll do lots of gardens. I'll talk about them later. And when we're in Bath, I'm taking anyone interested. I'm taking out for a special drink at a special place. Um, so, July twentieth to the thirtieth, Cotswolds. Uh, in England, and you can get details at our tour director site, nwtravel.com. You can also find it on my website, too. So now we are going to go to Steve in Squim. Hi, Steve. Hello. How are you? Uh, Marty. Yeah. Well, I'm doing fine. Good. I talked to I talked to Cisco a while back, which you weren't privy to that, but uh, we discussed uh, my greenhouse. Yeah. And uh, but I'm looking I'm looking for some more information because I didn't give them all the information. Oh. Uh, in my greenhouse, uh, we talked about uh, the tomatoes and stuff not producing, and he was talking about pollination. And you know I understood that, but the flip side of that is is all my vegetables that uh, grow in the uh, ground, you know, like beets and onions and carrots and mm. radishes. Uh, they come up, but they don't produce any fruit, or they don't produce a vegetable. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the greenhouse is missing something, but I just don't know what it is. So those are all protected. They're all in your greenhouse, but they're all in the soil. That's correct. Um, and is this, so has this greenhouse been going on a long time? 
I mean, how many years have you been planting in it? Oh, no, I just changed all the soil this last year. Oh, yeah, so that was my question. I put in, <laughs> I put in all new sod, and uh, I put in some fertilizer, I put in some manure, I put in, you know, everything that I thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happens is the beets and the, and the carrots and that kind of stuff, they come up, but they only come up about an inch and a half, and they never produce anything. So you don't even and get broccoli. a good... You don't get good greens on them either. Not no, huh? They only come up just a short, just like inch and a half, two inches. Yeah. And my broccoli, the broccoli came up, and uh, it never produced any, or not broccoli, but Brussels sprouts. It came up, and it never produced anything either. How do you control the temperature in your greenhouse? Oh, it's strictly with uh, opening the door if it gets too hot, or yeah. you know, closing it when it's cool. You know, there's no humidifier or any kind of uh, heating in there. Right. You know, I would. I wonder if um, there's a problem in the temperature. You know, I I would think it would stay fairly warm because you've got it protected, and it it could be. I'm oh not, yeah, it's it gets pretty hot in there. Yeah. So the the temperature may be a problem, and the the lack of. Um, uh, there's no cooling off and then warming up, you know. So, but I, I'm not sure about that. That's just a guess, Steve. So I, I would suggest maybe you have talked to somebody at um, a specialty greenhouse company before. But if you haven't, I would suggest char- calling Charlie's Greenhouse in Mount Vernon because they uh, they know a lot of stuff. And um, well, they, I was, I was thinking that there, <clears throat> I was thinking there was probably some kind of an additive that needed to it. You put to the soil, you, you know. <clears throat> but if, I wasn't sure what to put in. Yeah, if you have just re, yeah, it sounds like you've done everything you need to do for the soil, but it could be, I, it could be related to the temperature. Um, although, again, I'm not sure. So I would, uh, I I would try giving Charlie's Greenhouse a call and seeing if you can get, or you could ask okay. at your local. Um, you know, uh, nursery and find out. But it seems like if you've done everything you can for the soil, there must be something else. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll check around and see what I can figure out. Okay. Good luck, Steve. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. That's great. Well, uh, I love greenhouses, and I love it that Charlie's Greenhouse almost always, I think they do every year, has a great display at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show. And this reminds me to say, I just got the seminar schedule, the brochure in the mail yesterday or day before. Fantastic. This is really going to be a great show, a uh, 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 flower and garden festival, as it is now called. And um, I've got the dates up here somewhere. Let me see. February 26th to March 1st. And uh, downtown at the Seattle at the Washington State Convention Center. And I would highly recommend you get your tickets early, get your group together, plan the whole day, plan two days, whatever. Um, the I will... I want to check the um, judges and uh, let you know who they are. I was very excited when I saw that, but I want I want a bio up in front of me. Not for all of them. I know some of them. So um, you can always get inspiration for greenhouses or whatever you want at the Flower and Garden Show Festival. And you can find that information online at gardenshow.com. 
So again, this is Marty Wingett. I'm sitting in for Cisco. And uh, those of you who are along with your cup of tea or cup of coffee as you sit there midday wondering what you're going to buy, what little stocking stuffer you're going to put in someone's um, stocking this year for Christmas, I suggest a good read. How about that? And so here's my my chance to... Uh, plug my new book, a new mystery series. The first book is called The Bodies in the Library. And yes, it is not a takeoff of Agatha Christie. The whole series is about a library, a collection of first editions of authors from the golden age of mystery in the 30s and 40s, mostly the women. Uh, Agatha Christie, Dorothy L. Sayers, Niall Marsh, do you have a favorite? And so this first book is out, it just came out in October, and I've had a great time talking with people about it. So buy a book. This this is in print. My other two mystery series are not in print. They are ebook only, but this one you can actually hold it in your hand. So there you are. The Bodies in the Library. That's up on my website, too. You can get all that information. And it is set, this whole series is set in Bath. And so uh, I'm so very delighted that our tour next July is going to spend, we're going to spend three nights in Bath because I can show you all the places in the book. How about that? So, um, right, Garden Show, Buy the Bodies in the Library. We're coming up to another break right now. But after the break, please call 888-973-5476. I want to know what your favorite apple is. Okay, see you after the break. Hi, gardeners. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco. I am Marty Wingett, and I am filling in for Cisco today while he is out of town and uh, glad to be inside. I want to say one word about gloomy uh, late fall, early winter, all the way through winter days. We need something out there bright to look at. And so uh, my suggestions for uh, brightening your winter landscape are using pots if you don't uh, want to put them in the ground or want to move them out of the way or whatever. Pots of ever broadleaf evergreen shrubs. They, they will light up the darkest corner. And if they are in pots, then you can just move them around. Um, these are, and also these make fabulous hostess gifts. Stop by your local nursery before you go to somebody's house for dinner during the holidays and get a, a variegated osmanthus. Osmanthus is a broadleaf evergreen, so it's not a conifer. And osmanthus heterophilus, so it's one of the few names taxonomists haven't messed with yet, I don't think, at least I remember that one, has, uh, it's called a holly-leaved osmanthus. So the leaves are spiny and prickly like a holly, but they are not a holly. They have, there's this fabulous one. The leaves are splashed with cream and they're kind of pinky, the the new leaves are when they first come out. It's called goshiki. That will be a spotlight in in a, a dark place in the garden during the winter. It's just great. If you're looking for a native plant to do the same, plant it in the ground, of course. My favorite is snowberry. You cannot do better than snowberry for a winter landscape and in shade as well because that's where it grows out in the forest. And you can see it right now. You can see it on verges and under trees. Um, The leaves have dropped, and so the berries are still sticking to these twiggy branches, and it looks like fairy lights 
it looks like fairy lights in the dim light of winter. Uh, and you don't need an ex- extension cord. So a- you cannot do better than snowberry. I just love it. Um, if you're looking for flowers for winter, of course, there are the Asian mahonias. Uh, we have our native mahonias, uh, which are great, and they bloom early and then mid-spring. But right now, starting in the fall, there are these really architectural evergreen shrubs, but also with spiny leaves. I don't know what it is about spiny leaves. Uh, their leaf, compound leaves are held horizontally. And then these spikes of bright yellow flowers come out. And the Anna's hummingbirds, which uh, overwinter in our area, absolutely love them. So you've got hummingbirds and you've got a bright light uh, in the garden. And just don't put it too near a walk because you don't want to scrape by it every time. And you don't want to hack off the branches because then you've messed up the shape of the plant. So um, the Asian mahonias are great. Charity Winter Sun, Arthur Menzies, Lionel Fortescue, one of my favorites, if only to say the name. Those are all really great. So those are some winter plants for us. Uh, We have a caller. We have Jason in Puyallup calling. Hi, Jason. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. So I got got some seed this fall from a neighbor, uh, some asparagus seed. And I was supposed to have planted it um, in the fall in like uh, you know like little like greenhouse type cups, mm-hmm. and didn't get to it. I wanna. I was just. My question is, what's the best option to try to a plant to plant asparagus from seed um, this spring? Uh, well, I think you could go ahead and do it this spring. And um, the thing about asparagus is, it needs a rich, well-drained spot. So um, we're not known for great, well-drained spots in the Pacific Northwest because it gets so um, boggy uh, during our winter. So if you could make a raised bed, you can plant the seeds out in the bed. Um, And you need to... uh, A raised bed, good soil, general-purpose fertilizer... Dig it in as far down as your your shovel can go. So now, obviously, you're not going to want to do this when the soil is really wet. You're going to need to wait for a drier space. You can prepare the bed during the winter, but you can um, you can plant the seeds uh, early in the spring. Um, I have read a suggestion that says soak them overnight, so that'll help with germination most likely. And uh, you can plant them out. They should sprout in a couple of weeks, and you can wait. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So now I'm just checking with Clark County uh, uh, Extension Service on their recommendations, and it says outdoor sowing can be done around around apple blossom time. So we're talking, you know, Aprilish. Uh, the thing about the seeds, the thing about growing asparagus is you want the male asparagus. You don't want the female asparagus. So you'll be able to, you can um, let them grow. I don't know if uh, they they will, the female will bloom. You know, they form those little tiny red berries. You'll be able to rogue those plants out and then wait until next, the following season to harvest but you can still plant them. You can plant them this coming uh, spring. 
And then and then male and female come up separately, and then you you just take the males out. No, you take the you females out. Them? You take the females out. You want you want the uh, male plants producing the spears. Ah. And so and I'll I'll know that at at, at some point when you, they come up. Uh, you will because the female uh, plants will form these little seeds that then m- turn red. They mature red. And so that way you can keep you can take those out and leave the others. Make sure you keep the weed the bed really well. You know you don't want anything else uh, competing with the, the asparagus. Well, the seed I was given came it, it, little black seeds inside of a red pod. Mm-hmm. So she must have been growing the female plant. Well, that's right. You did have to, well, and good thing. The yeah. the female obviously the seeds come from the female plant. If you want to save seed, if you want to pass seed along to somebody else, go ahead and let one of the female plants mature. But in general, to harvest the asparagus to eat, you want the male plants. And then how how deep should I plant that seed? Oh, they're tiny, tiny seed. Uh, a half inch, maybe. Oh, just like a regular seed. I know that like with a crown, you got to plant them pretty deep. Yes, them from- that's right. Yeah, if you've got the roots, that's right. Just a half inch, and that's and then and 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 do the same. Do you, do you know anything about spacing and how how you know how? Um. So the, uh, you can sow every couple of inches, and actually, you know, because you'll probably. Um, you can thin them as they grow. You can w- one way of thinning, of course, is wait for to see which ones are female, and you can pull those out. But if you get all of the seeds, if you plant every inch or so, if you plant thicker than you should have, or drop a few seeds <laughs> that you don't notice, then as they grow, you can just thin them out as you would carrots or something like that. Oh, so thin them to like within a couple inches. Um, yeah, so that eventually the plants, as they grow, uh, need to be about a foot apart. Oh, I see. We are just about to take a break here. So good luck. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'll be right back. All right, gardeners, welcome back to Gardening with Cisco. I am Marty Wingate, and I'm filling in for Cisco today and delighted to be here. This is our last segment, um, so I want to thank Cisco for asking me to do this and thank uh, 97.3 Cairo FM and also Brian, who's been on the board and, and helping me through everything, even in this one hour, uh, so I don't have to press any buttons. Yay! I have one, uh, another event I wanted to mention. There is an ongoing arts and crafts sale at the Miller Library all the way until the 27th. You could even go after Christmas to buy things. They have fabulous stuff there, artwork, crafts. Um, I know that there are some cards and maybe some prints uh, done by one of my favorite local artists, Molly Hashimoto. Hi, Molly. And so uh, you should stop in there because it's a great place to find something, uh, last-minute gift or something you've planned for as well as, of course, 
they aren't selling my book, but uh, as well as The Bodies in the Library is, the first book in my new mystery series set in Bath, England. Uh, so take a look at that. It's available as an ebook as well and also an audiobook. The um, Fiona Hardingham, the reader, is absolutely fabulous. So uh, that reminds me to say something else about our tour because we're going to go to Bath on uh, my garden tour next July, July 20th to the 30th in the Cotswolds. And what I would, once I start mentioning all the gardens we're going to visit, I run into a problem because I say, this is my favorite garden in the world. And I'll say it again and again, but I can't help it. We're going to Hidcote Manor. I've been to Hidcote probably six times. I would go every, I would go more than once a year if I possibly could. It is one of my favorite gardens in the world. Great arts and crafts garden, and it was the inspiration for one of my potting shed mysteries called Best Laid Plants. And so uh, I enjoy uh, going back there and thinking, oh, this is how I changed it for the book. But still, it's a great inspiration. We're also going to Eiford Manor, which is down near Bath. Eiford Manor is one of my favorite gardens in the entire world. Harold Pito, uh, it was designed in the 1920s. Hidcote was designed in the 1920s as well. It's uh, it's an Italianate garden. Harold Pito loved stone statues and colonnades and long terraces and plants that overflow the edges, which and the edges are always very straight. Um, it's a wonderful place. So those are two of the gardens. We are going to walk around Stratford-upon-Avon and and look at uh, Shakespeare-related stuff. And that includes the knot garden. There's a knot garden there that's been restored to the 1920s. I don't know. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is about the 1920s. Uh, it's 1920s original design. And, uh, and it generally just have fun. Another word about plants, too, because we were, I was mentioning some, uh, variegated, mostly variegated broadleaf evergreen plants that help to light up the gloom of our late fall and uh, winter landscapes. And which, of course, means I cannot let you go without mentioning Pittosporum tenuifolium. My favorite evergreens up there with Hidcote and and Eiford for gardens. Uh, It's a fabulous broadleaf evergreen. It has smallish leaves, the stems are black, and so even the straight species, just the green leaves, has a very interesting look because you've got these pretty black stems behind it. But the variegated, there are, uh, I, I don't know how many, there are many, many cultivars of Pittosporum, and um, they're all great. But one of my favorites is <laughs> Irene Patterson. Irene Patterson, people have... Uh, People who have been on a, a tour of mine before know now when we walk through a garden and if I'm ahead, if we're walking down a narrow path and I say, oh, look who's up here, they know that it's going to be Irene Patterson. This is a broadleaf evergreen. The leaves are, do you remember, does anyone remember uh, doing art projects in school where you take a window screen and a toothbrush and you dip the toothbrush into paint, and then you rub it on the window screen, and it splatters beneath, and you make a, I don't know what you make. Mine just look like splatters. That's what the leaves of Irene Patterson look like. Green leaves splattered with snowy white. It's just the most beautiful look, and a really pretty um, glowing look in, in dim light. So 
I highly re- recommend that, as well as any of the other pittosporums, of course. And the other one, this is more of a muted look. Azara, now, if you go to the Winter Garden in the Arboretum, you will find in March they start blooming usually. Azara microphylla, early March, so it's still winter really, technically. The flowers smell like chocolate. You don't know where it's coming from. Where's that chocolate coming from? I mean really chocolate. They're tiny flowers. You don't notice them. We don't care about the flowers. The leaves are small. And so it has a very fine texture in the landscape. It can grow 20 feet, but is easily kept under control. I'll say that uh, politely. Uh, There is a variegated version, and it has kind of a yellow um, edge to the leaves. And so it can look, it's nice combined with straight green plants. You want you want that contrast. Otherwise, you lose the interest of the variegation. So those two uh, plants, as well as the osmanthus uh, goshiki that I mentioned before, there are some, uh, here's a hebe that I, I love hebes as well. Pittosporum and hebes, another broadleaf evergreen. There is one that looks like it's a little dwarf cupressus or something. It's called James Sterling. And you would not get, if you have, or if you know hebes and you don't know James Sterling, you would think, well, what is this? I don't, this is, can't be a hebe. Oh, wait a minute. I think they're all Veronica's now. Sorry about that. Whatever. Uh, James Sterling has a very yellowy look to it and uh, it looks like a conifer, but it isn't. And it's evergreen as well. Right. So, uh, Come with us to the Cotswolds next July, 20th to the 30th, and you can find details and sign up at nwtravel.com. And, or you can look at my website, martywingate.com, and find out how to um, read the Christmas story about Prue, Christmas at Green Oak, and also about my new mystery series, the first book, The Bodies in the Library. I have had a fabulous, very quick time here at Gardening with Cisco. The hour just flies by. I appreciate him asking me to fill in, and I hope he's having a great time in Chicago. Yay, Cisco! Hope it's not too cold. And uh, I know he will be back answering all of your gardening questions, whether you email him or, or call him or whatever. Uh, again, this is Marty Wingett, and thanks so much. Happy gardening! Happy gardening!